Well, I hope everyone had a, a good Thanksgiving. And uh, if you didn't, well, uh, fortunately it's over now. So um, it was, it was, ours was very, ours was very nice, very, very low key. We kind of had the ideal situation. Paula's sister uh, lives down at Lake Martin, so you know it's kind of like better than having a boat as a friend that has a boat, and better than having a lake house as a friend and or family member that has a lake house. So, um, so we were down there. Uh, just simple, um, uh, very, very, very nice. Um, well, let me um, let me offer a prayer, and then uh, after the prayer, we'll we'll begin. Heavenly Father, for this um, for this morning, I, I give you great thanks and praise, and help us, Lord, truly to see what a rich blessing it is that you give us this opportunity to gather together in your name. And as always, Lord, as we gather in your name, I do pray that you would be in the midst of us. And that particularly, Lord, as we reflect on your word today, that uh, indeed uh, you would go forth, Lord, as the living word, uh, that we would ultimately hear from you in such a way that we are uh, encouraged, in such a way that we are fashioned in our faith and relationship in you, in such a way that our that our lives are, are lived uh, in relationship with you, we pray. And these things we all ask in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, we're going to look particularly, um, you know, it's kind of like um, ministry Ministry wonderfully gives you, gives you humility. I mean, sometimes it just feels like it clicks, and then other times it, it doesn't. And in an attempt last week, we talked some about... Abraham, and what we're going to do this morning is we're—I was going to say we're going to wrap up Abraham. I mean, not that we're going to wrap up Abraham. All your questions about Abraham will be over. Um, we'll have him fully explained after this morning. But but we're going to look particularly at 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 a, at a very meaningful and and moving passage, but also a passage that can seem very troubling uh, initially as well. We'll look at at uh, Abraham's life a little bit, but also we'll, we'll look at the sacrifice of Isaac. Um, that's the, you know, it's kind of one of those, when you think about uh, particular passages of scripture, you don't typically say, gosh, I really want to go to that one. Um, it, it's not, um, it's not one of your favorites. It's one which is challenging, but it's one which we will see uh, holds, although initially troubling, holds uh, tremendous good news. But in the midst of all that, I want to look at sort of three things this morning, which I hope will be much more than theoretical, which will be very practical and applicable uh, as, as well. Not that, not that the truth of God is always immediately uh, and easily um, applicable. Um, it's true, uh, but sometimes it's, it's more challenging to see. But hopefully uh, we'll see and we'll reflect on things which are applicable. Kind of three questions. What does, what does faith look like? What gets in the way of faith, uh, and why have it? What what is it? What does it look like? What does faith look like? What gets in the way of it? Uh, and and basically, sort of the the so what question. Why why have it? Uh, why have it at all? Um, there there um, many of us who feel that it's absolutely essential. But of course, there's there's plenty out there as well in the world that think it's um, it's if not necessary. Uh, ridiculous um, to, to have faith. So we'll look at those three. What does it look like? What gets in the way of it? Uh, and and why and and why have it? Um, 
But one thing I'll start with a I'll start with a story, an experience of of ours. Was um, one of the things that we saw as we looked at the call of Abraham. Uh, what what God did basically is is God says, and if you go um, to the uh, if you go to the Hebrew, obviously he he tells Abraham to go. Uh, he tells him to go and to leave that which is comfortable and that which is familiar. And the fact that he did it at all is is remarkable for any of us. To leave what's familiar and known uh, and comfortable uh, is, is a dramatic thing. And it's dramatic because it wasn't as if he was in a bad situation. He was in a good situation. He was in a good situation family-wise. He was in a good situation uh, economically. Uh, and, and how many of us want to leave that type of situation where, where things are good family-wise, where things are good economically, you know, people would say you're crazy um, if you were to leave a, a situation like that. But but God calls him to go, and we hear that that he goes. But but basically, uh, if you look at the language, what God basically says is get out, um, get out, um, and and go uh, is the call um, to Abraham. And Abraham responds. We early on in ministry, um, Paul and I, we only half jokingly say we peaked early um, in 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 life and in ministry um, early on. One of my first uh, positions out of seminary was at Holy Cross on Sullivan's Island. And if any of you are familiar at all, Sullivan's Island is one of the barrier islands uh, off the coast of South Carolina in, in Charleston. And so we lived on Sullivan's Island, and, and the joke was we called it Mayberry by the Sea. Um, and so we, uh, I worked there at Holy Cross, which was a, which was a great church. The, the church actually owned a home that, that we lived in. Uh, the rectory that we lived in, which was a great thing because, um, you know, we weren't buying a house on Sullivan's Island. So, but uh, we were at Station uh, 14 was where we lived. Back in the day, people would come over from downtown Charleston. They'd take the ferry over uh, and the ferry would, would come and they'd land and then they'd get on the trolley car and the trolley car took you down Middle Street uh, and you got off at your station, Station 12, Station 14, Station 22, and on down to the end of the island, and the church was on Middle Street. Um, there was uh, there was one stop sign uh, between the rectory uh, and and the church. Uh, there was no stoplight um, on the island, and two blocks over uh, was the beach. And you, we walked over the beach there, and you looked across um, the Atlantic and the Intercoastal and uh, Charleston Harbor to downtown Charleston, beautiful. And then across the street uh, was the Intercoastal Waterway, and we had great Neighbors Jack and Maisie and Sally were were little bitty at that time as as we lived on the island and as I say we in some ways uh, in some ways we kind of peaked um, at that point I mean life was life was was great the one thing to remind you that you weren't in paradise were the mosquitoes and the noceums um, those two things if any of y'all have ever spent any time in the Low Country um, it's a beautiful uh, beautiful place I haven't found a Everybody has their opinions, of course, but to me, it's as beautiful a place as I've come across anywhere. But uh, I would also, there would be times, literally, I'm not making this up, when I would come out the front door, and it wouldn't be cold, but I'd run to my car because the mosquitoes and the noceums would just be waiting, and they'd pounce upon you because we lived across the street from the intercoastal. But anyway, we loved it. Great place. Uh, fantastic church. Uh, we loved our, our home and our setting. It was also Paulus and my college town, and so there was the comfort and the and the familiarity of, of that as well. But it was just kind of like you know, kind of everything, kind of everything that you could ask for. It was a, it was a fantastic place. But I I remember 
uh, beginning to experience um, this sense of, of, uh, of unease as if God were um, interrupting us, as if God were calling us out of that comfortable place and out of that um, familiar place. As I say, it didn't, didn't seem to make a lot of sense, but, but very definitely that, that feeling of God interrupting us and God uh, causing a certain amount of of unrest um, in our lives, this this sense of this sense of call in our lives, and I can remember you would uh, Sullivan's Island was separated from the mainland by the intercoastal waterway, and there was a causeway that went across, and then there was a little swing bridge that you went across to go from Mount Pleasant over on to Sullivan's Island, and uh, inevitably, you know, kind of the um, kind of the Murphy's Law when you're in a hurry. Um, there'd be a sailboat, uh, and the swing bridge would swing, and you'd have to sit there. And of course, you know nothing you could do except except wait it out. You couldn't rush. You know, sailboats don't hurry, um, so you would just sort of wait there. And I can remember sitting there um, at on the causeway at the swing bridge with the with the bridge uh, swung open, uh, and sitting there just and praying and having this sense of of God um, calling us out, uh, and so. Into all of this came a call from a church in in Texas, outside of Houston, the Woodlands, Texas, which is um, it's kind of like the Truman Show, the Woodlands, Texas. Um, if any of y'all have seen the Truman Show, it's it's Liberty Park on steroids, so it's a planned community. Uh, and so we we moved we moved to the Woodlands, and um, I don't know about any of y'all, but this was our experience. We and Paul is in my mind. Um, we were going to move, and we'd be out there for years, and then we'd go back to Charleston, right? It was going to be great. It was going to be an adventure. Um, the kids were young, so we weren't really uprooting from school or anything like that. We're, we were going to go out um, to Houston, have a little Wild West experience, and it was going to be great. And then we're coming back to Charleston, right? It was just kind of like, duh. Um, it was it was clear what, what life was going to look like. Uh, and, of course, um, now here we are. Uh, we've been here in Birmingham for, for 15 years, um, and... Um, kind of hard for us to to believe, and and now very much so um, for us. Birmingham feels like home, but anyway, we had this we had this grand plan. God was, hey, please come in. Good to see you today. We had this grand plan. God was calling us out. We're going to be out there, have that great time. It was going to be a grand adventure, uh, and then we were going to then we were going to return. But of course, it 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 didn't uh, work out that way. And I'll say this as well. Um, we envisioned one thing when we went out there. Um, so Charleston, South Carolina, you know, sometimes we joke about the Advent being a dry, clean church, kind of a staid kind of place uh, sometimes. Well, imagine going from Charleston, South Carolina, an old colonial city where if you wanted to paint your shutters, you know, you kind of went to the Board of Architectural Review for a year before, you you know, there's not a whole lot of change. And then where, where I went to the Woodlands, new community, we had actually sold our church to a Presbyterian church, and we had bought the Methodist church down the street. Um, I mean, is that some wild stuff there? It's kind of exciting. So, like, well, we all grew ours, so we sold it to a church that was just starting up, and we went, we purchased this bigger space. And again, it was going to be a great experience. We're going to be out there for years. Come back to Charleston. Well, once we we're out there, everything blew up. Uh, the guy that was the rector there was a guy I'd known from Charleston. And he ended up leaving the church and starting up a new church. Um, and so um, I suddenly found myself as, as the interim. Uh, and so, as I say, I had, had one vision, one plan, and another thing um, came to fruition. And 
um, it was an extremely, for me, certainly ministry-wise, it was the most painful thing I'd ever experienced because basically what it was was a really painful divorce um, because, you know, some of the folks left um, to form the new church. Some of the folks um, stayed uh, with the church, and it was this um, pain and this awkwardness for, for both. The folks that went to start the new church, it was, you know, painful in many ways for them. The folks that stayed, it was painful in many ways. And here I was, the interim, and we were um, we were trying to sort of simultaneously heal and grow. Um, and I can remember the uh, my my one migraine uh, in my life um, came at, at at that time. Just so much uh, so much pressure from uh, all of that. Just such a difficult difficult experience. And I can remember one day coming home from church, going into our bedroom. Uh, closing the blinds and just basically curling up in the fetal position there on the bed, just in the, in the dark and, you know, didn't even, didn't want to move. Any, any, even the slightest movement was, was so, uh, extremely painful. I mean, it was, as I say, one thing envisioned, another thing, um, coming to fruition. Well, why do I, I, I share that with you? Um, because, uh, one of the things that, that we find in, in faith, uh, and as we mentioned, last week, for those who are here or not here, faith doesn't mean having all the answers. Uh, faith doesn't mean, because clearly we don't, um, uh, to, to be a, quote, faithful person doesn't mean that you have it all worked out, um, that I know all the answers and I know I just, I've, I've, I've got it. Um, faith does not mean arrival. Um, so faith doesn't mean arrival. And, and faith is not uh, an easy straight line. And as we look at the life of Abraham, we see uh, it is full of uh, faith successes and faith failures. Um, faith successes and, and, and faith failures. It, it, you know, uh, you know, he's he's at a peak one moment and he's at a valley um, another moment. And, and it's not just once, uh, but it, but it's again and again that 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 Abraham and Sarah go through all of this. But I mentioned uh, going out there to Texas. It, uh, I have no doubt that God called us out of where we were. Uh, and I have absolutely zero doubt that that time in Texas was a was a tremendous uh, growing experience in, in, in faith because suddenly uh, I went from what was comfortable and familiar to a place where I, where I really was in over my head uh, and, and depending upon God completely. I remember when we went for Easter Sunday, we went to the church that we had purchased for Easter Sunday, and this is after the church split. And the church that we had bought... The, the church would seat a thousand people. Um, and, uh, so it was Easter Sunday and I thought, this is, this, this really, we, we debated the vestry and I, we had to form a new vestry and we prayed about, gosh, should we, should we just stay where we are? Um, this Easter, should we go to the new church as the plan was? What, what do we do? We said our prayers. We decided we'd go to the new church and, you know, we thought, well, you know, it might be, if any of y'all have ever come to our 730 service, um, imagine our big church in there at 7:30. You know, we have say 50 to 75 people, which is, which I think, quite frankly, is pretty miraculous at 7:30. Um, however, it, it looks it looks pretty thin out there in the church, and we were sure that that's what it was going to look like. You know, we were going to get there and it was going to be, you know, a couple hundred people in a in a thousand seat church, and it was going to be painful. We, we process, we processed in, and I can remember just feeling anxious as we processed in. And then I got up, uh, to the front and I turned around and the church was full. Uh, it was, it was, it was absolutely full. And it was one of those, 
just profoundly encouraging moments. And, and, and I share that story with you because, um, and I've read and listened to numerous sort of sermons and read numerous commentaries. And, and one I read, and I thought this was a great uh, point, talking about uh, faith not being a, an adventure, but faith being a quest. Uh, faith is faith not being an adventure, but faith being a quest. Because when you think about adventures, typically an adventure, we're in a place and we go out and it's exciting and then we come back um, after that adventure we, and we come back home. Whereas a quest, uh, a quest comes to us. Uh, a, a quest is, is a call. Uh, a quest is something that, that calls us out. And in the process of the quest, there's a lot of things that, uh, a lot of things which you know, we, we, we don't know. There are a lot of unanswered things in a quest. And not only that, in a quest, you're going to be changed. Um, you, you won't come back um, the same person. It's not as simple, I go out uh, and then I come back. No, a quest comes from outside of yourself and calls you. And, and, and you grow. Uh, and you are changed and transformed in the midst of that quest. But also, uh, one of the facets of the quest is, um, while it's good, it's also incredibly difficult. Uh, and so... One of the things I would say about what faith looks like is is this. Um, faith is one of the incredible and wonderful ways in which God enables us to grow, uh, in which God enables us to be deepened, uh, in which God enables us to be transformed and, and to be changed. But faith isn't an easy process. Uh, that, that, that process of growth, that process of, of deepening, that, that process of change is is a challenging one, and you and I will have will have fits and starts along the way. Uh, we'll do really well at times, and then we'll fall back at times. Uh, and at times it'll be uh, pretty clear to us, and at times it'll be very muddled and opaque to us. And we see that in the life of Abraham. He's initially called out, and he and he goes, which is miraculous um, that he goes. But then that we hear that that as he goes, um, he he stops uh, he stops halfway. Uh, he stops in Haran. God calls him out, and we hear that he stops halfway. And that's something that's kind of easy to, uh, as we're reading, to 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 miss. But it's, uh, I think, again, it's kind of God's wonderful sense of humor. Basically, what we hear is uh, Abraham says to God, "You know what? I hear you, and it's so you and me. I'll hear you, and I'll meet you halfway. Um, I, I hear you calling me to go, and I'll tell you what, I'll go a little bit. Um, all right, so I'll, I'll, you know." I, I won't move out of state, um, but but you know, but at least I'll I'll change my address. And so another thing I'd like to say about faith is it's 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 a quest rather than an adventure. Uh, it's it's something which ultimately necessarily and wonderfully um, transforms us. But it also, as part of faith, is our times of challenge uh, and times of testing um, is as well, um, because uh, more often than not, and almost. You know, almost always, you and I grow from times of challenge rather than from times of ease. Uh, at least in my life. I mean, when I when I've grown, it's during times of challenge rather than times of ease. Uh, when I've been called out of what is comfortable, when I've had to lean upon and trust in God uh, in a way um, which uh, which which stretches me. Um, so that's to some degree the beginning of 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 what. Uh, faith looks like uh, what what faith is, and and ultimately one of the things that I hope we we'll hear as we read through Genesis, and just as we think in general, what what faith means is walking with God. What what faith means is is walking uh, with God, and what we see Abraham doing is he's as he's walking as he's walking with God, and sometimes 
well and faithfully and and numerous times as well, God has to um, intervene dramatically um, in his life. And we see repeatedly that God uh, wonderfully, thankfully, intervenes uh, dramatically in his wife. And in one place is in chapter 16. Um, and it's funny, and I say that, and let me tell you what that means, because if, if you told me chapter 16, but, uh, and I don't expect you to say, enough said. Um, you don't need to say anything more. Uh, chapter 16 one of the things that you remember in chapter 16 um, is is this. So uh, they they have been uh, they've been called out and they've uh, and they've they've gone in some ways kind of fitfully with fits and, and with starts. And but God has promised Abraham that He'll make him a, a great nation, and He has him look up uh, into the into the sky and say, "Your descendants will be will be like the stars. Uh, that that many will be your descendants." And other times, you know, they'll be like the your descendants will be like the sand. Um, so great will be the number of them. And we hear that Abraham believed God, uh, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him uh, as as righteousness. His belief, uh, his belief uh, that this would happen. But um, shortly thereafter, we hear that that uh, Sarah and Abraham become impatient, uh, and it's kind of it, it, tremendous echoes of of Adam and Eve. Sarah comes to Abraham and, and, and basically says, you know, um, this seems to be taking a long time. Why don't you take Hagar, my maid, and, and have a child with her? Um, uh, and then, you know, shockingly, that doesn't work out well. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't, you know, surprise, right, that that didn't work out, that that didn't work out well. And, and Ishmael is, is born uh, from that. And then um, when Hagar becomes uh, pregnant, she looks with disdain uh, upon Sarah, and you can imagine how well um, that that Sarah takes that. So this, these, you know, these seeds of uh, of discontent are sown uh, because, and that's we're sort of transitioning. What 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 gets in the way of faith? Well, sometimes, quite frankly, it's impatience. Um, and I don't know about y'all, but um, that's certainly one of those things for me. Um, God, I I believe in you, but act already. Um, I believe you, but 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 go. I have some friends of mine. Um, and they, uh, they tried for 16 years to have children. Uh, and, you know, um, 16 years is a long, uh, is a long, long time. I mean, you know, Lord, Lord have mercy, six, 16 years. And, and they were very particular in, in their belief that, that life begins with conception. So when they would, you know, uh, artificially fertilize eggs, they would only use as many as, as they knew that they would use. So they sort of put, limitations on on their chances in the way that they and the way that they went about it but 16 years and after 16 years in a matter of two years they had two sets of twins um talk about going from zero to 60 can you imagine you know 16 years trying no kids and then in the space of two years four kids um bam um but one of the things that got in the way for abraham can get in the way for you and for me of faith is is impatience and, it, and it's cheesy as as it sounds and as cliche as it sounds, um, cliches can have a certain amount of traction because there's a certain amount of truth in them. Um, Abraham and Sarah want to get ahead of God. They're so you know what we we believe you, but uh, we believe you, but uh, but but you're not acting quickly enough. Um, so and we begin to rationalize. You know, Lord, maybe what you meant was this. Maybe you meant you were going to give us um, numerous children, but it was going to 
you were waiting on us to figure out how to work that out. Um, and now we've come up with a plan and we're going to go ahead and implement, uh, we're going to go ahead and implement that plan. We see that happening. Uh, we see the challenge of impatience. Well, let me just ask y'all as well, just for your ability to chime in if you'd like. Um, what gets in the way of faith? What, what gets in your way? What are some of the things that, that, that trip you up when it comes to faith? Well, I'll say fear, um, at least at least for me. I mean, impatience, fear is another. We, we see fear come into um, when uh, with Abimelech in chapter 20, when uh, Abraham tells Abimelech that um, Sarah is his sister because he's afraid that Abimelech will kill him and take Sarah as his wife. And Abimelech takes her into his harem. Uh, but God actually speaks to him in a dream and says, you know what, this is, this is Abraham's wife. God dramatically... Um, interviews. We see fear getting away. I mean, doubt, um, doubt, uh, our, our, our pride, our, our, our stubborn wills and, and, and stiff necks. I mean, so many things get in the way. But the other thing I would say, uh, and this is, we're shifting now to, uh, verse, to chapter 22, is, is our idols. Um, our, our, our idols. The things that we say that, that, that we can't live without. Um, that, that we have to that we have to have, uh, and a lot of times we don't think there are idols, uh, but they're the things that we think really life's not worth living without them, or, or these things are, are essential um, for me to have, and without them my, my life will be empty. Uh, without them, life won't really be life if, if I don't have these things. And, and one explanation I heard one time, which I throw out to you, is um, what are your idols? Where does your mind go? And when you're at rest, what, 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 what do you, what do you go to? What do you, what do you think about? What do you say? You know, I wish I had a little bit more of this. And idols can be good or bad things, uh, but anything that we place in the place of God is a bad thing, even if it's a good thing. If we, if we elevate it above God, if we, if we put our trust in it, um, it, it becomes an, an idol to us. But, but here's, but here's the other thing. If it, if it becomes our place of, of rest and, and trust, um, then it becomes an, an idol uh, to, to you and to me. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, one of my certainly big idols is is sort of family and, and security, um, which, which aren't in and of themselves bad things. Um, I think they happen to be very, uh, very good things. But I mean, if I were going to say what I tend to elevate the most, it would be those would be the things that, you know, my, my kids... My kids' happiness um, is is an idol. My my desire for them to be um, happy, for us to be you know quote secure and have enough have enough money in the bank and and the bills be few enough and so that we can be secure and so that everything will be um, okay. Then then we'll be then we'll be good. Then we'll be whole and then everything will be will be well uh, and 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 will be. We'll be right at that time. And, and one of the things, and now we come to chapter 22, uh, which is a, a very challenging, uh, perhaps, maybe not for you. I, I've, I've personally, um, uh, found it, found it difficult. Uh, the, the sacrifice of, of Isaac. And, and let me read the first verse to you. And this is in 22. Uh, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer them and offer him there as a burnt offering 
on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again um, to you. So again, I mean, how, how, I mean, how, how, how troubling uh, is this just for you and for me, even though we know the outcome? Um, how, how troubling is it to hear this? And, and, and uh, it's hard to begin to imagine um, the, the, the feelings and the emotion of, of Abraham at this time, and, and, and also certainly as, as things began to be revealed, um, the, the, the thought of Isaac at the time as well. There's, there's a little um, comfort, if you will, if it says, after these things, God tested Abraham, just to hear and to think about this being in terms of a test, but yet even in terms of being a test, I don't know about you, but this is this is unsettling. Um, am, am I the only one, or do you all find this unsettling as well? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've read some commentaries say, oh, this is a great story, and I'm just thinking, you know, um, maybe I'm not faithful enough, because I'm just like, you know, this is, it's kind of, this is one of those, I heard a great definition of orthodoxy one time, and orthodoxy uh, meaning right thinking, right uh, right believing. And, and it said what orthodoxy is, is... Um, Basically, in our, basically in our minds, setting up the gallery uh, of all the various biblical pictures and biblical stories, not just the ones we like, um, but the ones we don't like as well, uh, and and sort of allowing those to to work on us, you know, not just the not just the whatever your whatever your style is, you know, not just the impressionists or not just the modern or whatever, putting putting them all in there together, the ones that you say I love that one, you know, the prodigal son. Oh, awesome. You know, who who doesn't love the prodigal son? You know, the lost coin, the lost sheep. Awesome, awesome stuff. You know, let's just reflect on those. But orthodoxy being reflecting and thinking on these others as well, uh, that were we choosing artwork for our walls, we'd say, yeah, no, I, I don't particularly care to have that one up. Uh, and yet here it is um, for us to contend with uh, and for it to work uh, on, on you uh, and on me. And we hear that, that this is a test which comes because, and how confusing would it be and challenging would it be to Abraham? Because basically it would seem as if God is giving you mixed messages here. You know, he said, look, I, I've promised you this son, um, Isaac, uh, that will come to you miraculously. And you'll have no doubt that I'm the one who gave him to you because we hear that Sarah was past the time uh, of, of bearing children. Abraham uh, was 99 years old. They had been, you know. My friend, 16 years or nothing compared to Abraham and, and Sarah. And, and we hear that God gives them. And of course, uh, Isaac, y'all remember what Isaac's name means, don't you? Isaac's name means laughter. Um, that, that's what Isaac, Isaac, Isaac means laughter because naturally they both laughed um, when they heard that they were going to have a son. <laughs> you know, good, yeah, seriously? Um, you know, you, you're, you, you're pulling, and God said, you know what? And the messenger from God said, no, I'm going to come back in a year. Uh, I'm going to come back in a year's time, and this, this is, this will have come to fruition. So you can imagine, um, again, how much we can get, uh, wrapped up in, in whatever, whether it be our children or whatever, but you can imagine how wrapped up, 
um, Abraham must have been an Isaac. I mean, I have no doubt that he adored him. And that, that basically Isaac had become his emotional center. Um, I mean, of, of all the things that he loved most in the world, uh, it, I would imagine it would have been, would have been Isaac because in that, in any time, but particularly in that time, um, Isaac, uh, would have been his future. Uh, Isaac would have been, uh, the promise of, of his future, that his line, um, would go on, that God would fulfill his promise through, uh, Isaac. That's basically how Abraham and Sarah would continue. It would be, it would be through Isaac. And so basically, God has promised him this son, has given them this son, and now he's saying, well, I'm going to take him away. I'm going to take him away from you, which also says to Abraham, basically, I'm taking away your future. Not only am I taking away the thing you love most in the world, but I'm, but I'm taking away your future as well. Um, you'll, you'll have no future. And as I say, if you ask me, that's troubling. Uh, and, and we hear, though, uh, amazingly, um, that, that Abraham, that Abraham went, uh, and I'll say this as well, because this is an important point. As, as horrific as it would have been to him, uh, and as horrific as it is uh, to you and to me, in his time it wouldn't have been without precedent, uh, because the people uh, around child sacrifice existed uh, around him, on the, some of the people in the Canaanites, some of the people around him. This wouldn't have been completely unheard of. As Again, as, as troubling it is, as it is to you and me, it wouldn't have been something that would be completely unheard of. But not only that, um, there is, at least as well, precedent within with within his belief, if not child sacrifice, but but God receiving uh, the first fruits. Um, and so he, he goes thinking, you know what, I, I don't get this, this makes no sense, uh, and he goes up. And of course we hear that as, as he goes up and he begins and he prepares the wood and he bears uh, that burden, uh, Isaac bears that burden up the hill and he's uh, about to be sacrificed, we hear that the voice comes from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, uh, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, uh, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be um, provided. Um, so we, we see God's amazing um, intervention here after he's told to take your son, um, your only son. Well, what I, what I want to share with you before we go is this. As, as challenging as this story is, uh, it's tremendously important as well. Because, uh, and I have no reservation that God is... This is a prophetic act. Uh, this is an act which, which points forward um, to the, as, as, as awful as it seems, it, it points forward to the amazing character of God uh, and how he will graciously become the sacrifice. Because repeated numerous times in this is, is, is take um, Isaac, your son, your only son whom you love. Does that, does that echo at all? Echo at all? Take your son, your only son, um, whom uh, you love, and of course, what we hear in Jesus is that God Himself will offer um, will offer Himself or offer His one and only Son. The the whole concept of substitutionary atonement that God will will become the sacrifice for you and for me, that we might um, be people who are in a right relationship with God, people who have 
um, stability, people who have hope, people who have security, which isn't based on our performance, but are walking with very imperfectly with faith uh, in this one. I, one very quick story before we go. Uh, when we lived on Sullivan's Island, uh, one of our myriad parenting fails, and Maze is here, she could probably, she could give a class on our parenting fails and tell you about some of our different ones, but one of our parenting fails was this. Um, Jack's our oldest, I don't know, maybe it was three at the time we gave him bunk beds. I mean, what a train wreck move um, to give your three-year-old bunk beds. And not surprisingly, Jack one, one day launched himself off of the top bunk bed. He was going to fly, and he didn't. Um, and he landed on his head, and Paula called me, and um, you know, you got to come home, you got to come home, and I race home, and of course, and y'all know, anything to the head is just, blood is, is everywhere, and so we rushed Jack over to the doctor where he's going to have his head stitched up, and, and, and they said to us, you know, we're going we're gonna to put him in the papoose, um, and I still laugh about that, because doesn't that sound consoling? Um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to put him in the papoose so we can, um, you know, go ahead and stitch this up. Well, the papoose is a straitjacket. Um, what it is is, you know, they, so he can't, you know, move his arms or get in the way while they, while they stitch him up. And I just thought, you know, talk about semantics are important. Uh, if they said we're going to put him in a straitjacket, I've been like, no way. Uh, but they said we're going to put him in a papoose. We're like, that's awesome. You know, that sounds great. Let's, let's, let's do that. So anyway, I'm, he's there and I'm holding him in my arms and and as you might imagine um i'm wishing and i you know such a self-focused self-centered flawed person uh, and yet uh, i'm thinking i wish i could take his place you know i'm thinking in that moment if you said okay y'all can trade places uh, i would have uh, in, in a heartbeat um i, I would have gladly um traded uh places with him and of course they the, the the worst part as you know too is not the stitches it's what it's the shots, you know, they had to do about six shots to numb it up before and I'm holding it and he was such a trooper. But again, just this whole uh, idea of my son holding him in my arms, his being bound, wishing um, that I could that I could uh, take his place. Abraham's is is uh, in many ways is 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 the father, uh, is the father of faith uh, and exemplifying. And, and in this terrible encounter, God gives us a very clear window uh, and to the incredible good news that we will see fulfilled in Jesus uh, is that he, in fact, bears the burden. Uh, he, in fact, bears the burden that God himself uh, takes our place uh, and a sacrifice for us that we need no longer fear the power of sin and death, that we have a hope uh, and a security, which is known in the way uh, in which God uh, becomes the once and for all sacrifice. And that's another important point, not that it has to be repeated again and again and again. God does it once uh, and, and for all um, to break the chains of our fallenness and our rebellion that we might be at peace uh, with him. And so that's um, initially a, a terrible story, but yet one which points the way to the most amazing story um, which which we have that gives us uh, why 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 do we walk with faith because we we know the amazing and the gracious character of our God uh, why do we walk with faith because if we didn't it, it'd be up to you and me um, and and I I happen to think that's a pretty frightening concept um, to think that it would be up um, to to you and to me we we have the uh, window into the the gracious character of God which which sometimes is 
is, is challenging to see. Uh, sometimes when, when God is helping us, uh, it seems like he's killing us, uh, at, 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 at least at first, as we go through the times of challenges, we go through the times of trial. It seems like the one who's saving us is actually um, killing us. But what we see in this is, is the foreshadowing of that which we'll come to know um, that he, uh, as he says himself, the Son of Man came into the world not to condemn the world, but that we might be saved um, through him. He came to take our place that we might have a security which nothing uh, in all of our lives can take away from us. And as we hear that, let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for um, this time and for the great gift of Jesus, your Son, who indeed um, takes our place. Draw our hearts and our minds to, to faith in you that we might walk with you and find that you are trustworthy and sure uh, when that is immediately clear and, and when it isn't, and that you would sustain us in our faith, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.